Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows, uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Today is a real treat. We sit down with my former head coach, Ross Hodge. I call him the mayor, a man of the people. He is uh, the elite of the elite when it comes to breaking down the game, when it comes to seeing the game, uh, a defensive wizard, uh, an offensive just, uh, I don't even have a word. He just has such a feel for the game. Played point guard when he played back at Texas A&M Commerce for Sam Walker. He is a, again, voted, I shouldn't say again, he was voted the number one assistant coach in Conference USA. They just won a conference championship last year. He won numerous championships as a head coach in junior college. The list just goes on for the accolades, for the type of person he is, for the leader he is, and he's outside the box. He is a deep, deep thinker. He is one to uh, be able to have a perspective that I think he has a gift for communication. Uh, I learned so much from him. I learned more in one season coaching under him than I did probably five seasons in my career, if not more. So without further ado, we sit down with Ross Hodge, AKA the mayor, University of North Texas, associate head coach, associate head coach. Yeah, appreciate everybody jumping on. Coach's Corner, uh, number two. Excited to have Ross Hodge on today. Uh, one of my very close friends in the business. Uh, I, I believe a true gem in this business, you know, um, has no weakness in my opinion. I'm gonna make him feel uh, a little turn red maybe for a second, but uh, has won everywhere he's been. Has been a head coach at Paris Junior College, at Midland Junior College. Um, took Midland to the national championship, has won 86% of his games, has had several MBAers, uh, family man, a teacher, a high level communicator, a deep thinker, uh, extremely connected to his people and loyal, um, so great at building trust and um, just a high level 
head coach. You know, he will be a head coach again. Um, and like I said, just has has no weakness and has his feet on the ground, which I think is also rare in this business. So excited to have Ross Hodge on. I call him the mayor. So if you hear me refer to him as the mayor, um, then, then that's why. But uh, yeah, excited to have you on, Mayor. Thanks for joining us. Man, glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. So we'll hop straight to it. We're all kind of coming out of this quarantine. Tell, tell us a funny story uh, about yourself or your family that you learned during the time of uh, quarantine. Um, I know you got some funny little stories over there. I know it's going down. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know off the top of my head, man. I can't even, uh, I would tell you this, man, my, uh, I have an eight year old son and they, he, he plays baseball in the summer and stuff. Obviously that got shut short, like, uh, like everybody else's deal, but they started practicing last Sunday, June 1st. And, um, just being back out there and being around those guys. As soon as I got home, I text like Jareem and Matt, you know, our other two assistants and said, man, when we, when we get an opportunity to get back out on that floor, you know, with our team, it's going to be a hell of a day right there, man. So um, just that little nugget kind of got me excited for being back around everybody, you know, and far as, far as our family, man, just, uh, no particular story, man. There's, there's silliness and funny every day. <laughs> <laughs> so was, uh, was Reed doing cartwheels when he was back on the field just to get back at it again or what? Yeah, he was excited, man. He was excited. They both were, you know, mainly we were, we were, we were on the, we were on the strict side of things initially until we found out exactly what was going on. And it was hard on them because some of their friends necessarily maybe never even, social distance at all you know you see other little kids running around the neighborhood playing with each other so just to be able to get back and be around people you know is what is what we all probably miss as much about anything you know obviously miss competing and coaching and things like that we just miss miss being around other people man right right the interaction is key um tell us something that from the quarantine that you feel like maybe you will take with you in your new normal as we kind of transition from old normal to, to new normal um, you know, I think the biggest thing was maybe finding simple, simple ways to enjoy each other or enjoy things, you know, with your family as, as, as we all do. I know some of you guys have families or, you know, you get in our business and things start moving so fast. And then when you do have free time, sometimes you feel like you need to go and like do something, experience something, go on a vacation, but with this period in time, you really couldn't, man. So just simple things, playing games with your kids, watching old TV shows, man, like watching my kids fell in love with like family matters, you know, and that was kind of our deal. We'd, we'd eat, go for walks, go for bike rides, come home, shower up. And we'd watch like a family matters or two before everybody went to bed, you know? So awesome. just little, little things like that. You can, you can appreciate it doesn't always have to be small. I mean, it doesn't have to be big vacations or you can, you can learn to appreciate just small moments. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it was you to send me an article at one point in time uh, that was talking about that exact thing of, you know, sometimes we think that we have to have these extravagant moments or these well-planned out, you know, moments, but the memories that we make is just everyday memories and just cherishing those. So definitely COVID-19 was full of those. Uh, tell everybody a little bit, obviously I know, uh, I was talking about it before everybody got on the call about Ross back in the day with the headband. Uh, he got a couple of tattoos he won't let you know about, but uh, 
Ross was a bad tattoo. <laughs> Ross was a really good player um, at the school that my younger brother is actually the head women's coach at now. But tell, tell everybody a little bit about your playing career, uh, where you're from, and just how you kind of got into coaching. Yeah, played, uh, grew up, you know, right outside of Dallas, like southeast of Dallas. Uh, went to Seagoville High School, um, played for Leonard Bishop, who's a just an unbelievable high school coach, man, great man. Um, you know, probably showed me the importance of believing in believing in people, you know, and he uh, he really believed in me at an early age and gave me an opportunity, you know, and whenever I wanted to get to the gym, he lived in Garland, but, you know, he'd always, he'd come pick me up or he just really showed what it meant to be like a servant head coach at, a, at an early age. And then he went to Lincoln High School when I went, I went and played at Paris Junior College, and then he went and went to Lincoln, and the, and then even at then at a young age, I realized how important players were because he went to Lincoln and he was running the exact same offenses we were running at Seagoville High School. We were going nineteen and ten every day, and then he went over to Lincoln and he had like Byron Hopkins, Leonard Hopkins, Byron Eton, Chris Bosh. They go forty and zero you know, win like a mythical national championship running the exact same stuff. So even as like a 20 year old, it didn't take long to dawn on me that the importance of, of players, you know, went, went to Paris junior college, played for another phenomenal basketball coach who actually life goes full circle. Um, Bill Foy, who's back at Paris junior college now won a national championship there, uh, came to North Texas from Paris and they had, two of the better years in school history when he was there with uh, Johnny Jones went and played at commerce. Like Brian mentioned for Sam Walker, another phenomenal coach, another phenomenal man winning this, winning this coach in the school's history there at commerce um, was a, you know, father figure, you know, in every sense of the word. And I was, I was kind of a punk when I played, I'm not going to lie, man. I had like a little edge and a little chip and uh, him and I would, would clash heads, you know, and that's probably, you know, those experiences with him helped me as I became a coach, not to take things like that personal and not, and be able to move on to the next day and be able to maybe, you know, maybe you get into it with the guy or maybe you go hard at a guy. Maybe he's got some things to say back to you, but then the next day you come back and it's the next day and it's all good, you know, but uh, GA for him for two years were probably my funnest years as a coach, even, even, to this day with some unbelievable experiences. I look back on those two years as a GA transitioning from playing to, to not having the responsibilities, maybe physically to put your body through things and GA in with coach Walker, Roger Brown was there. And we, uh, we went to the sweet 16, won the Lone Star, which is really good, broke the school record for wins. And man, that was still like my favorite, probably my favorite year coaching. And a lot of it was just because I was so ignorant and didn't know anything, didn't know how hard it was, didn't know the ins and outs, the nuances, didn't, did, had no idea what the business was or what it entailed or how important it was. I mean, I was just met my wife and having fun, man. So did that for two years, had no intentions of going back to going anywhere, really had stretched out my master's a little bit. Coach Foy had just won the national championship at Paris and he he called me in the summer and was like, you know, he had a he had a job open and wanted me to come. And initially I told Coach Foy I wasn't for sure if that's what I wanted to do. Cause like I said, I was having the time of my life. We were gonna be good again at Commerce. 
and really, really was happy. And he convinced me, he said, you know, Ross, if you have a desire and you think you're going to get into coaching, you need to do this. This, this will fast forward your thought process if this is what you want to do or not. So uh, did that. Um, we, we won the Texas Eastern Athletic Conference the one year I was there and never, never entered in my mind that Coach Foy would ever leave. He had been there 10 years. I played for him. We're there one year and he goes to North Texas. And that's where I got like the just a break of a lifetime, you know, just just good fortune. And at the time, I still didn't even realize how lucky I was, but was 25, got the Paris Junior College job inherited some unbelievable players that were like crazy mature ironically even though it was junior college was one of the first was one of the most mature teams I've ever been around um Ramon Clemente probably a 13-year pro now plays for the Puerto Rican national team was was there another guy DeAndre Spragans had been in the military for four years I mean they, those guys were almost as old as me and they really made that first year easy for me. And we, you know, we were good, got off to a good start. Um, was able to go to Hutch the next year. Um, that's when Brian actually came and worked for me after about 12 times, me trying to get him to do it. Finally did it our last year at Paris and, um, had a really good team that year, man, some high level pros and just came up, uh, just short, got beaten double overtime in the regional final to Johnny Estelle and Navarro. And it's probably to this day, probably the most painful loss I've experienced. Um, at that time, you know, had really started as a young guy, had started kind of making relationships, you know, competitively, but understanding the big picture, you know, and, and Grant, Coach McCaslin, who I work for now, was at Midland. And, you know, our teams would scrimmage each other. Uh, met Greg Heyer, who was at Chipola at the time. Uh, just out hustling, you know, competing, but never losing sight that, you know, you can, you can do both. I mean, you can compete at a high level um, and you can still have good relationships as, as like Adam and I were talking before this thing started, man. I mean, we all remember when we were like little kids and you had your friends, you were most competitive with your best friends in the world that lead to fights, video games at the park, one-on-one -on -one in your driveway. And you, 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 the next day it's all good. Or maybe even that, that hour, but somehow I think coaches get it twisted. It's like, they either go, you know, they don't want to build relationships outside of their staff because maybe they lose their edge or they go so far the other way that, that it, that they do build relationships and maybe they lose their competitive edge. And the, re the reality is you can do both, you know, but I uh, got to know those guys. Grant was at Midland. They won the national championship in 07. They got beat in the national championship game in 09. And he went to Midwestern State. And he helped me get the Midland job. Um, we had two really good years at Midland. Um, got beat in the national championship game my last year there. And then once again, a relationship I had built. Paid dividends. Um, Greg Heyer was at Southern Miss. And he was going to Wichita State. And he called me and he said, hey, man, I'm going to tell Coach Eustachie that he should hire you. And it was that simple. Coach called me the next morning. I went out to Hattiesburg. Um, wasn't 100% sure if it's what I wanted to do or what I should do, but did it. And um, we went to the NCAA tournament our first year at Southern Miss. Um, had a great team, man. Got beat by Kansas State in Pittsburgh. 
And I tell Coach Eustachie to this day, in my opinion, and and he he won the Big 12 twice. And so I, I hadn't been in the Big 12, but to him, I think that's still his greatest accomplishment was winning the Big 12 regular season back-to-back times at Iowa State. But to me, I tell him, getting an at-large bid at Southern Mississippi ranks way up there with, like, things that are incredibly hard to do. Um, and was only there one year. We go to the NCAA tournament. Coach gets the Colorado State job. Go with him there. We're there four years. Again, you know, unbelievable success. Um, went to the NCAA tournament, won a game, got beat by Louisville the year they won the whole thing. Um, had another really good year, went to the NIT. And then uh, at this time, Grant McCaslin had been at Baylor. Obviously stayed really good friends. He gets the Arkansas State job. Hey, man, let's let's come do this. You can be the associate head coach. Um, we were there one year. And that was that was a new experience because at every other at every other one of my stops had been entering a program that was very healthy and it was more maintaining and trying to elevate. Paris had won a national championship. You had a you had a championship culture there. Brian was a part of it. Um, you go to Midland. They've had a long history championship culture. Grant won a national championship there. Uh, Southern Miss, I get there. It was like I said, it was there one year. Went to the NCAA tournament. We inherited a NCAA tournament team at Colorado State. Got to go to college, you know, went to the – so going to Arkansas State was the first time that we actually had to kind of change some – go into a situation where you feel like you're having to change the way people think. And um, it, was a, it was a unique learning experience for myself because I'd always been around guys. You, were, you, you, weren't try, you weren't beating them down, but you were certainly trying to convince them, like, man, you can get beat, you know, like – like, you know, you're, you're here and everybody's climbing up to get you. Like they can beat you. You know, that was like, you're trying to keep your team on edge when you go in a situation like that. Now you're trying to convince somebody that they can beat someone and you can do this, even though they don't necessarily believe it. But that was a fun year, man. We went, we went, we went on the road and beat Georgetown. We were 23 and a half point underdogs. Um, that was a fun night. And then uh, we're there one year. Uh, tied the regular season record for most wins. And then uh, North Texas opened up. Grant's from Irving. I'm from the Dallas area. It was kind of a no-brainer. Came into the same situation. And we've been here three years. So that's that's um, kind of how it's been. It's crazy, man. I still feel young, but it's going on 18 years for being in the college level. It's wild. It is wild. It is wild. A lot of success, man. A lot of success. Been Definitely uh, so so blessed. I think it was four times, maybe it's three. You said six. I don't know what you said, but a few times Ross uh, recruited me. But I met him. Uh, I met you when you were an assistant for four. I think it was your first year. Yeah. So been been very close friends ever since. And I learned probably more basketball in my four years prior all in one year, partly because of the adversity and challenge that we had, the talent we had, and then just, you know, managing the culture with detail and, leadership that you did was was incredible I still say it to this day definitely the hardest job I've ever had uh, one of the most rewarding as well because we finished so well but uh absolutely love love your story man it's been awesome to see it from afar too and uh, for you guys to win a championship again just collecting a lot of rings collecting a lot of rings man and, and you have a lot to do with that so let's jump into UNT so we'll kind of go four quarters we'll go uh UNT we'll go some career lessons We'll go some vision, legacy, and then we'll do a little demonstration if we have time. So uh, just talking UNT, what specifically you think makes 
UNT special. Obviously, you just talked about your career. You've been a lot of places, won a lot of places. Uh, each place is unique, and you guys have built that into a place that uh, is now a, a, a real power in the Conference USA. So what would you say it is that makes it unique and special? Um, I think I think most of us would agree, like the leadership above you, you know, regardless of uh, – you know, uh, budgets and finances and, and things that all that all are very important in winning. But the leadership, Ren Baker, our athletic director, our president, you know, they uh, they want they want to win, you know, so they're committed to it. Uh, they're committed to doing it the right way um, to giving student athletes the full experience, you know, and putting putting things in place um, that you can compete. You know, that you hear you've probably heard it before. A lot of people say like, you know, coaches can win games, but administrations win championships, you know, and I think that's really important. And I, I think that's a big part of what makes North Texas special, you know, on top of uh, just the growth of this area. I mean, I know a lot of you guys have probably came through the guys that are in state, you know, you've been in the north side of the Metroplex with Denton, Argyle, Justin, Fort Worth, Frisco, McKinney, Louisville. I mean, it's just, it's, it's exploding this area. Uh, campus is exploding. So really just got it at a, at a right time. And then what about Coach Mack? I know you guys go back and, um, you know, I was a junior college assistant during those times too, when he was smacking us at Collin County, no offense, uh, when he was at Midland. And uh, you guys have had a long-standing relationship. What would you say about him uh, that's enabled him to win everywhere he's been, similar to yourself? And what do you think? It, if you had to say three things to quantify what makes him so uh, special at what he does, what would you say? Uh, I would think he's uh, – one would be his, his, his belief in himself, A – which allows him to be very secure in who he is. And because he's extremely secure in who he is and his coaching abilities, he's never threatened by people around him. He legitimately empowers those around him. So we, you know, he's, I'm sure we've all experienced and we all have egos. We all have our own insecurities. Um, but he's very comfortable with who he is as a person. It starts with his faith. Um, as, and he really does walk it, you know, it's not, it's not just a talk, man. I mean, that is who he is, you know, and I respect that about him more than anything, but his belief in, in the people that he's around, you know, and that's, that's probably why it works pretty well. You know, I have a, I don't want to say realistic, pessimistic view of things, you know, I'm more kind of the guy that's thinking I'm going to always get my butt kicked you know, even though maybe we're not getting our butt kicked and, and Grant really believes that we're going to win, you know. It's one of our core components of, of our program philosophy, but it speaks to who he is. He legitimately believes that that if you get the, a team to believe that they can – we can win a national championship at North Texas. That's what he told our guys. First team meeting. I want people to laugh at us. I want, our, I want your family members to laugh at you and your friends because everyone's going to tell you what you can't do, but he he legitimately believes that we can do those things. And um, I think that's how, I think it's what's allowed him to always have success. And in short term, us have success here, you know, where maybe where everyone else is thinking you can't do that and you shouldn't be able to do that. Um, and then just his servant 
his servant heart for serving others and like I said, empowering others. And that starts at the top with him. And then I think it flows into our staff Then it flows into our GAs, flows into our student assistants, flows into our support staff, and it flows right into our players where they legitimately can feel that and can sense that. And for us that have kids and multiple kids, you'll start seeing it that like, our kids are no different, man. They know when, when mom and dad maybe are having a little tussle here on the side and things ain't quite right. And players can feel that, man. So players, players can sense that and they know where they can navigate in creeks and crevices to maybe latch onto that and like, oh man, what's his deal? But but Grant's got such a heart for for serving other people and it really flows through our through our whole our whole program. You know, and I think those three things just have allowed him to to have the success that he's had. And he's been like any of us that have won games, he's been extremely fortunate to coach very, very good players. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I could speak on Grant. I worked for him for two or three months when he hired me at Abilene Christian before he went to Baylor. And uh, yeah, he's one of the special, special coaches and people in this business, uh, similar to yourself. So no, no, uh, no surprise you guys have had the success you had. Um, curious, tell us about the staff. You kind of talked about it coming from the top from Grant and uh, his belief and his servant-mindedness uh, and his his walk in the walk, but. Uh, how is it that your staff, I mean, you guys have it probably about as close knit, celebrate each other's successes, go to lunch almost every day, you know, just really genuinely like and care about each other and celebrate each other, which is a rare thing in this competitive ego driven business. So how do you, what would you say about your staff? What would you tell us about your staff? And then how would you say that's been cultivated? Um, I'll just kind of start with a man like uh, start with with our op, ops guy, Andy Smith, you know, um, was a student assistant at Illinois for Bruce Weber and gross went to the NCAA tournament there was an assistant at commerce for Sam Walker went to New Mexico state with Jans as the ops there went to the NCAA tournament there. And now he's our ops guy. Um, Chris Blakely, um, you know, played at Abilene Christian and he's our video coordinator and he just is always trying to find new ways to help you know um dream and matt who you who you've talked about um i mean and and dream's really done a great job taking advantage of this time uh and and been vocal on platforms like this and he's 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 not uh he does not get the credit he deserves for the level of basketball coach he actually is man he's got a big social media presence he's he's really interesting man he keeps things so light and so funny but he no make no mistake about it he can coach basketball i mean he coaches the virgin islands senior national team you know with pros and he's coached them to the highest level finishes they've ever had in their fiba tournaments so he's unbelievable um you know matt brower i kind of call him like the scotty pippen of our staff you know what i mean he just just he can recruit he can coach he has good feel he has good relationships he just he can do it all and he can dabble all all and that was a great player from texas played at wichita state um started on their sweet 16 team as a sophomore worked for me at midland um when we got beaten the national championship game had some really good years at sam houston as an assistant was at Maryland as a video coordinator for Turgeon. 
and then was at the College of Charleston going to the NCAA tournament before he came here with us. Uh, Nelson Haggerty was a tremendous addition to our staff this year. I don't think we have the year that we had without him. Uh, Grant, Coach Mack, and Hag worked together at Midwestern, and they went to two Elite Eights, and then Hag got the head coaching job there, and he went to Elite Eight as a coach and was the number one team in the country. And he's just – he's tremendous, man. His, his feel and his ability to relate to players and his ability to help Coach Mack – was was invaluable he said I don't we don't have that you know without it and even in the past you know like James Miller was with us at Arkansas State the first year here at North Texas he's the associate head coach at New Mexico State now you know they ain't lost a conference game in about five years um and John Trilly that's at Odessa now I mean we've just been really 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 fortunate you know and uh, one thing that I had the privilege to do was work with Leonard Perry He's the associate head coach at Pacific now. And they're coming off of crazy. I mean, they won 23 games at Pacific, which is crazy. They had 10 scholarships. So, you know, big shout out to them. But he really helped me learn this role as like an associate head coach role. And he was – he took every bullet, um, anything, every time, anything, ever something went wrong with Coach Eustacia, he always – you know, took the blame for it. He never chunked people under the bus. And as we all know, sometimes that's all it takes, man, you know, because head coaches can be in those modes and they're, they don't even do it intentionally, but they can be in those places where they want to try to place blame. And all it takes is like, yeah, I don't know, coach, man. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know why he did that. And you're just throwing gasoline on the fire instead of just being like, hey, it was my fault, man. It was my fault. And ironically, when you do that, um, it kind of, you know, it just puts the fire out and then he moves on, you know. So that was something that I took from him and I learned. And when, when we first got to Arkansas State, you know, we talked about it as a staff and, you know, people may have heard it before, but we just sat down and we just was like, look, man, we're going to be, we're going to, we're, we're going to be each other's agents. You know, a lot of us have agents on here. A lot of us are con contemplating to have a sell. It's like, we're going to be each other's biggest agents, man. We're going to sell each other harder than anybody else. You know, and if we have disagreements with each other, which we do because we're brothers, we're going to handle it behind closed doors, you know. And if someone's, you know, in their feelings that day or being a little moody because maybe – they said something and Mac didn't like it. Now you don't want to say nothing. Like, then I'm going to say something. I'm say, hey, man, like, don't, don't get in your feelings, man. You know, but that's the relationship that we have. You know, we try to celebrate each other and it's authentic and it's not phony. It's not just, hey, let's just do that. But that's the heart we enter into it with a staff and it comes out. And that's, that's what it's been, man. And our chemistry is great. And like I said, man, I think our players feel it. They understand it. You know, there is no his guy who recruited him. He did this and I did that. And I'll be the first to tell you, man, I mean, Jareem signed the player of the year in our league. You know, Matty B signed James Reese. You know, like that's, you know, as we talk about, let, let's sell each other so we don't even feel like we have to do that. Because a lot of times in this business, you can feel like you're the only advocate you got. So. um you know, that's just, that's how we operate, man. Yeah, I think, uh, 
you know, that's a rare, rare thing. No wonder, like I said, at least the championships, when you do that, you can have that kind of selflessness because it does trickle to your team. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you guys have had so many talented guys there, staff member-wise, and have those now. And Grant, obviously, kind of an underrated skill for him is just identifying pieces that fit not only uh, on the floor, but staff-wise. You know, I think he's done an elite job of that to give him credit. And then, um, yeah, I think I think an associate head coach's role on the staff is so uh, underrated because I think, and I can say this for Leonard Perry and also for you, I've been around LP and I've been around you. Uh, I think you guys are so special in how you um, build that cohesion up, you know, and have everybody else's back and keep everybody uh, as a unified force, a unified one voice, but also how you protect them going down and lead them going down. So I think there's credit to you, you know, credit to, I know associate head coach is a hard role to play, but I think you do it as well as anybody. Uh, and I think there's a lot of credit to you, man. Uh, and I love to be each other's agent. You know, nobody really talks about that a lot. I think that's definitely a, a tweetable quote and just a, remember, a memorable quote for people to remember because, you know, when you're doing what you're supposed to do and each, and each other doesn't care who gets the credit, but also is promoting the other one, then you don't feel like you have to do it yourself with so many times in this business, you know, anybody can be guilty at any point in time. Um, yeah, when you, when you you enter into it, like I said, it it may seem initially maybe it felt like it's not forced, but this is, you know, but then like I said, it actually becomes a genuine, authentic approach because you feel it, you know, and we're all on the road a lot, you know, uh, and you get asked, you know, hey, how is so-and-so, you know, and why not celebrate them, man, you know, and, and go over, over the top, like, you know, he's unbelievable. And the same way, you know, it's just, it's easy to go the other way too. You know, like if, if things aren't going well, like, oh, you know, who signed him? Oh, you know, he was a bad player. So-and-so signed, you know, like it's easy to get caught in that stuff, man. So no, you just got to try to avoid it, man. You got to try to celebrate each other and realize, you know, that if we're going to advance as we all want to do, whether it's financially, whether it's, elevated jobs or elevated job status you 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 win you know you win yeah Jerome Tang I actually heard him on a, on a zoom and he talked about the exact same thing with his staff and obviously they were number one in the country and uh, had a had a really special year too but it, it just goes it kind of goes without saying but when you're in the business it's hard to kind of keep that front and center uh, because of the things you said our own personal drive or our own personal uh, desire to want to have success or want to maybe get a pat on the back because you're not getting one. So yep. to create that amongst the staff is really big time. So salute to you guys. And um, yeah, that's definitely an authentic and special thing. Hopefully we can all take something from that. Uh, if you had to say one thing you love about these four categories that you guys do specifically at UNT, what is one thing you love offensively, defensively, in your culture and in recruiting? So we'll start with offense. Um, offensive, you know, we, we, we made some changes, you know, and um, – Obviously, I see I see Adam. He's on my screen. I don't know if anybody else from the league is in it, but we did make a few changes this year um, offensively, and we had been uh, Coach Max really good at joysticking things, and he can really put people in places to have success. But we felt like when we had some injuries at the end of the last year that it really handcuffed us. Now, don't get me wrong, man. You lose your you lose your starting guards, like you ain't winning no games anyways. But we feel like we didn't have a chance, so. 
we went to a more motion style of play this year, a little more free flowing. But one thing we did really try to focus in on, and it's not so much maybe offensively, but more of a, a thought process from a philosophy standpoint, is we tried to tell guys what they did well offensively and what they could do well to have success as opposed to what they do not do well. Case in point, you know, player A is in the corner. He's not a great shooter, you know. His man is helping off of him. He's wide open for a reason. He shoots it. We've all been like, you know, hey, man, that's not a good shot for you. You know, we've all said it's a terrible shot. You know, what we tried to focus on more like, you know, hey, man, it's a great time to back back cut right here. You know, your guy's over helping. He's ball watching cut behind his head. You know, really just tried to focus more on, hey, let's focus in on that part holistically but offensively more so than any other partly let's really try to tell guys what they do well and and help them do the things they do well um defensively touch real quick on this ross um i was with coach mack in a gym middle year Louisville, watching a high school game and he talked about even in film session how sometimes you didn't show negative clips anymore you just only showed the positive like hey this is what it looks like and that was really powerful yeah, just trying to trying to shift the mindset, man. Again, I'm I'm young and you know, still have my boyish good looks, but uh I kind of had like a old school mentality, man. Honestly, you know, I mean, Brian worked for me, you know, he's and he's, you know, I'm comfortable in confrontation, I can be combative. Um, you know, but the reality is we are coaching a little different cat than we than we were even 4 or 5 years ago. And really, you should always be trying to learn and grow as a coach. So, you know, that was something that we we made a conscious effort of is like, why focus on the negative? You know, like, why not show them what you want them to do? So instead of showing a guy trying to split a ball screen and get the ball knocked out of his hands, why not just show him coming off, making a simple read and celebrating that, you know? Um, now, if it's effort, you know, if you're if if we're talking effort, blockouts, loose balls, I mean, all bets are still off, you know. But in the fundamental teaching of the game, instead of coming in there and showing 15 turnovers, show five good passes. And hey, man, this is the play we got to make. Um, you know, defensively, uh, we just wanted to be more versatile. You know, we were we were our our numbers statistically, defensively. If you look at our numbers, 2018, 2019. Ken Palm efficiency. We had the best defense in the league, number one. Um, but did it actually make impact on the game? I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it. But for us, we felt like we had to be more versatile. Um, we had to be able to mix our defenses up. We had to be able to mix our ball screen coverages up. We had to be able to keep the offense off balance a little bit. Um, and because uh, we just felt like we were too easy to play against. Like, Ben, don't break. You can come down. You can run anything you want. We'll be reactionary. We'll always be playing chase a little bit. But, you know, minimal damage will be done, but there will be no impact. So that was something that we had to kind of take a step back from and, you know, uh, not 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 carry pride or, you know, be be rigid and be like, it's good enough. We did not feel like it was good enough, even though – numbers may tell you that it was you know and and I know there are some you can make cases for and against the the, you know analytics and some people would say well if it was the number one defense what are you changing it for but that's what we decided to do and we'll talk a little bit more about that at at kind of the end 
um, of that with, with some of the video stuff. But um, and then what was the other one? Offense, defense. And then what was the other one? Uh, culture and recruiting. So two separate ones. Uh, culture, man, you know, which is obviously probably overused at this part, you know, in my opinion, you know, um, but we really um, tried to get guys that wanted to be here. A wanted to be at North Texas. Adam, Adam and I talked about this probably not, not too long ago, man. We just, we, we really tried to get guys that want to be there and want to be part of it, you know, and don't feel like they're doing you a favor by being there. You know, like I said, we took over a situation where they had came off back-to-back 20 win, 20 loss seasons. They won six games when we, before we got there, you know, and I did feel like maybe there was a sense that if you did get a good player, they almost felt like they didn't really want to be there, you know? And so we just really tried to tried to get guys that want to be there, want to be good teammates because if they can hang in there with their teammates, then they can get through just about anything mm-hmm. and want to work, you know, and want to work and, and, and love to show up every day. And that's where we really tried to do that from a culture standpoint, you know, our, our core program philosophy is believe, serve and compete. You know, I talked about the belief part not too long ago with Mac and the servant part and the, and the competition part. You know, and a quick, just one quick point on culture and serving. I mean, Roosevelt Smart, as a sophomore, almost scored 1,000 points in one season. I think he scored 889, second team all league, um, MVP of the CBI, just had a magical season and comes back with all these expectations as a junior, tears his calf muscle after our scrimmage and, uh, we scrimmaged TCU. He was the best player on the floor. Tears his calf muscle. He's out six weeks. The dynamic of our team shifted. We were better in 2018, 2019 than the year before. We had better players around him. So he comes back into this new rule, and he, he never could settle in. Um, and his role diminished. He only averaged 10 points a game then. Then going into his senior year, and this is kind of the heart of the program that we wanted. Um, for whatever reason, Javion Hamlet was emotionally attached to the number three. Mm-hmm. And that was Roosevelt's number. Now, keep in mind, that was his number that he broke the school, shattered school records, you know, did all this. But he really didn't have an emotional attachment to it, even though it was his number. And going into his senior year, not only did he sacrifice no longer starting, um, he actually he gave up his jersey number. You know, and uh, I, I'll always, you know, uh, remind them of those things and use I always use that as, you know, when you talk about serving others and care about your other teammates, man, that's that is not easy to do. And then just competing on a daily basis, um, you know, with within everything, academics on the floor and then, um, you know, recruiting. What I just mentioned is what we try to we try to uh, try to find, you know. No, that's great. That's great. Appreciate you sharing that, Coach. Um, just kind of as we get into this, the end of North Texas and shift to some stuff from your career, what would you say from a social justice standpoint? Obviously, that's the, the main um, main topic uh, for, for all of us, probably news-wise, that we're tuned into and following. 
um, addressing with our teams, you know? So what would you just say, and not have to get too long into it, but what would you say is something that you guys have done or an approach you've taken or something that you've tried to uh, figure out with your team as far as how to lead them during this kind of time? Man, um, I think we're all, you know, in, in similar situations where doing a lot of listening, you know, um, doing a lot of listening, a lot of conversations. I think it gets back to relationships at its core. And the one thing that I've really tried to encourage our guys and it really anybody I talked to, we talked about it a little bit this morning, B, just really in encouraging them in the midst of anger, frustration, um, disappointment, um, to channel it in a positive direction and use those frustrations to um, really, really do some things and end up on the not not put yourself in a position that distracts what's going on, but use your platform, use your voices um, in a positive manner. And more importantly, like really be educated, like, like don't, don't just take what you see on social media or even on news outlets and take it to be a hundred percent, you know, like do, you know, educate yourself, educate yourself on everybody's talking about November 3rd, which is obviously tremendously important. Right. But you know, what may be important than that, you know, who your local district attorney is, who's your local police chief, who's the mayor of the County you live in, you know, and really starting it at a smaller, smaller place to that can really impact change in your own community you know so just trying to educate them and trying to get them to make sure they understand how things uh can work you know and how you can how you can make change positive change for sure for sure it's always been who you've been you know we talked about this some i know it's not a topic we'll dive too deep into but um we talked about just walking the walk has been so important but then actually having more of the conversation now and mixing the two of those together. So uh, definitely know you're going to do major things there uh, in any of your small circles that we're all in, that we have a chance to make a difference and make an impact and start having the conversation and getting educated. Uh, kind of switching gears to your career reflections, lessons. Uh, what's something that you would tell your younger, the younger Ross Hodge today that you know now? Man, um, a lot, but for whatever reason, one thing comes to mind is there's going to be some like crazy, crazy bad days that you're going to feel like you can't recover from whatever it may look like. You know what I mean? Like somebody got in trouble on campus, right. you know, somebody's being a, you know, you're just an injury, you know, what, what can just seem like it's such a deflating moment in that particular moment won't be as quite as bad as you think it will be, you know? And, and, and so I would, I would try to remind a younger me, you know, cause we all have those days. We've all had them, yep. you know, so-and-so did something and so-and-so got so, something happened and you're just, it's, you just think it's, it's can't get any worse. You know, but you take a step back, you have a little perspective and, and, and a lot of times 
tough moments, you know, uh, really positive things are bred from those. You know, I'm not sure if we didn't lose seven straight games to end the 2018-2019 season. We had the best start in school history. We were 16-1. and one. We were 20-4. and four. We were 8-3 and three in league. And then, like I said, got hurt. It's not an excuse. It, it happened. Um, you got to overcome it. But I'm not so sure if we don't go through that, we don't experience what we just experienced this last year. And make no mistake about it, we had unbelievable fortune with injuries. We were the – us – and I believe UNC Asheville were the only teams in the country to start the same lineup every game. So, you know, we were, we were fortunate, but that's, that's what I would say, man. Don't, don't get caught up in thinking this is it, you know, this, it can't get this, you can't grow from it. That's good. Really good. What, what would you say coach is, um, what would you talk about about your why to why you coach and kind of what gets you going? And then I'll switch to another question. You, you've won 86% of your games as a head coach. So what's, after you tell us about your why, what's one thing you would take from every head coach that you work for when you become a head coach at the Division One level? Yeah, man, I think ultimately my why is just I, I, like, I like people. I like being around people. Um, I love – helping people, whether it's my friends, whether it's trying to, um, you know, help them be better, whether it's me learning from them, you know, whether it's our players now, whether it's just, I just, I really enjoy trying to help people. And obviously from a competitive standpoint, I love to compete regardless of what it is. So, you know, that's, you know, I feel like, that's the path God chose for me, man. You know, I, I didn't really, I don't feel like it's even something I'm setting out to do. I think it's just something that I'm trying to stay in the right place spiritually and mentally. And it's just, I'm kind of the, the boat and, you know, it's the oar behind me that's steering it, you know, but that's, that's ultimately why I do it, man. I, I enjoy people. It warms my heart to see people around me be successful players, other staff members, um, you know, uh, coaching, um, and, and winning, you know, and learning. I mean, I've, I've took, taken a little bit from, from every coach that I've been around, you know, like I said, coach Bishop really believed in me, you know, gave me an avenue was showed me that it didn't, there was no time, you know, as far as like, there wasn't an eight to five for him, you know, he was on the weekends, he was, you know, really, really involved in my life. As a matter of fact, when I was in high school, I'm not going to say what I did. I did something really stupid. Um, but my parents made me call call Coach Bishop and tell him that was my punishment. You no, know, other way around. How about that? Other way around. And that no was tough. Coach making you call your parents. No, no, that was that was that was a tough conversation, man. That's how much respect I had for him, and that's how much respect my parents had for him. Wow. Um. Coach Foy, just a really, really good basketball coach, man. Really Had a chance good. to play for him for three years because I redshirted for a year and then work with him. And he 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 was never afraid to ask other people what they should do. I saw him, he would call Scott Jernander at San Jack, you know, who was a Hall of Fame coach. He would call Pat Smith at Trinity Valley. 
he would call Sperlin, who was at Blinn at the time, and he would ask those guys. You know, he would call Dale Dotson at La Morris. He and he was an unbelievable coach. Even mind, he won a national championship. He was national coach of the year. But he he was never afraid to ask other people their opinions and learn from it and and take something from someone else. You know, Sam uh, Walker, like I said he was the winningest coach at Commerce, man. He probably helped me understand the work-life balance. He's probably as good as I've been around. He really cares about coaching. He's mm-hmm. won championships. He's won more games than anyone at that school. But he was not someone that that whether it was, you know, internal, he never outwardly felt like, you know, he he was not a guy that, you know, was in the office until midnight every night. He had four kids. He had a wife. And and he took care of that, you know. And then, um, man, I had the opportunity of a lifetime to work for Larry Eustachie for five years, man. He was national coach of the year, won the Big 12 twice. You know, he's won 25 games at four schools. Yeah, four schools, Utah State, Idaho. No, five schools, Southern Miss, Colorado State. And he just taught me how it's a simple game. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very simple game that that – you don't have to make that complicated, man, you know, and um, that listening, I say this all the time, our players, our players would repeat this sentence for me if they were on this, if they, cause I tell them all the time that, you know, in coach taught me this, that like listening is a skill, listening is a talent, you know, and he talked to our team all about, about listening and the best players are the best listeners. Best players can take things from a coach's mouth. They can hear you say it. And then they can go do it, you know. So even right now, there's he would use this example. There's 21 people on this deal right now. Well, somebody's really listening and someone's halfway listening. And I'm not offended. Trust me. But someone's listening the most, you know, and somebody will take. Someone will take this with them the most, you know, and he taught me that. And he taught me what you practice on a daily basis should show up in a game. So I should be able to watch you know, UTSA play a game and I should be able to notice from watching them play what they do in practice on a daily basis. And the things that coach cared about getting back, rebounding the ball with two hands and taking care of the ball. That was what we did. That's what, that's what showed up in our games. There'll be other areas of the game that we weren't great at, but that showed up in games. And then coach Mack, like I said, his belief and his willpower to uh, not accept not being good enough or not thinking we can win a game. He don't think that way. He thinks there's a way to win every game and he thinks we can win every game. No, that's good. Put those together. That's that's definitely adding some more tricks to your bag right there, Mary. That's good. That's yeah, good. Fortunate. You worked for some great coaches. Uh, so we'll open up real quick before uh, Ross gets into some little video demonstration before we close. If anybody has any, a few questions, we'll open up to maybe two or three questions and then we'll get to the video. Coach, can you talk a little bit about your practice structure? Are there certain things you guys are trying to get accomplished every day, certain things in your program you're going to touch on every day, or is it just kind of depend on what exactly you're trying to get accomplished uh, through the week? No, that's a good question. I'd say early on, you know, we uh, – one thing that we, that we made some changes this year, like I kind of alluded to, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more when we do the video, but – we were probably too far on the competitive side the first couple years. 
everything was body on body. And we, we did it on purpose. We felt like we had to, we were changing a culture. We were changing work habits, but man, we beat the hell out of our team. And it, and it probably cost us with, with injuries and, and mentally. And so we tried to be a little more conscious of that this year. Um, and we, we did um, introduce some like five on O offensive stuff that we had never done. But for the most part, man, we're, we're, we're like everybody else, man. We're going to hit some, we're going to hit some defensive drills. We're going to hit some shell. Um, you know, one of the things we did go to this year was even like we switched up some of our blockout stuff to block out on pads instead of blocking out live bodies. But we're going to, you know, we're going to hit, we're going to hit those areas pretty much every day. You know, we made some changes. And so we knew we were going to have to be better at rotating and scrambling and playing disadvantaged basketball. And we drilled that a lot every day, you know, rotations, a one man rotation, a two man rotation, a three man rotation, a shell rotation. And so um, that was in grade, integrated into our daily practice every single day. Great question, Zane. Zane, Zane uh, it's a new head coach. So I'm sure he's gonna steal a few nuggets to implement in his culture. Uh, new head coach at Western New Mexico, correct coach? Yeah, congratulations to you, man. Uh, we'll take a couple more and we'll let coach uh, get into some video demonstration. If anybody has anything more, if not, we'll get straight to it. Y'all shoot one. Uh, obviously, I know you, Ross, but as far as recruiting, are you guys recruiting? Obviously, you got 13 scholarship. You're trying to get the 13 best pieces because you got a, you know, obviously, you got a guy like Smart and not send you guys recruited over him. But again, there may have been just a better fit for that team despite what he had accomplished prior. So you guys always looking to upgrade. And I won't even talk about you guys lost Ryan, Ryan Woolridge and you bring in the player of the year. You know, I mean, Ryan Woolridge played at Gonzaga. You started yeah. for the number one team at times last season. But is it something that you guys every year you're trying to hit that home run in recruiting? Or is it a deal to where you're putting pieces into place? And do you recruit guys you think won't start? You know, you know, just, just, yeah, yeah, just no, no. there. Yeah, no, it's uh. It's, that's a that's a good question, man. Um, I think the the biggest thing we try to evaluate is like, do they love to play? You know, and that's probably the that's like the number one thing that Mac wants to know. You know, like, does the dude love to play? Because he just feels like if a dude loves to play and he's competitive and he's coachable, he's gonna get better. And that competition level only will make us all better. You know. And, um, you know, going through what we went through in 18, 19, where we got hurt and didn't have enough, that shifted us too. There was no more like, cause we had that whole team coming back from the CBI mm -hmm. from the year before. And so we probably were maybe a little that way, what you were thinking, like, eh, let's not upset the apple court. We got these guys coming back and maybe you recruit that way and it hurt us. So then, you know, you're just kind of like, I mean, we're trying, we're semi-conscious of, of uh class balance but as we all know nowadays i mean you 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 almost can't think that way man you almost got to try to be as good as you can every year because if you start thinking i'm going to balance this class out dudes are out you know <laughs> so you almost have to just try to be as good as you can each year um i think our juco background helps us with that you know um and you know, just try to get guys that that are competitive, that are tough, that that want to be coached. You know, and mm. 
And uh, I mean, just like you guys with Wallace and 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 Jackson. I mean, you think you're going to get good players. We thought Javion was going to be good, but you don't think they're going to be. You know, he's going to be player of the year in the league. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, that yeah. that kind of they kind of take off on that trajectory. You know, um, so that, that that's a good question. I mean, I think it's probably what we all try to battle a little bit. And you. Man, do you you know do you, do you put somebody on top of each other and now somebody's disgruntled and man, I think probably for all of us, man, you better be just trying to get the best players that are the best people that you feel like you can mold into a team and they actually care about other people. Because some people, some people will tell you, you know, if you listen well enough, some people will tell you exactly what they want in in recruiting. It's never going to change, you know, never going to change. It's what they want. So if, if player A wants to be a point guard and he isn't the point guard, it don't matter what happens. No matter how many games you win, he ain't going to be happy. And yeah. he told you that. So it's tough. No doubt. Great question. Great answer. And to give North Texas credit, not that you need more from me or from any of us on this call, but, I mean, to lose Ryan Woolrich, who, who did what he did and accomplished what he did, and then to replace it with the player of the year, and then, you know, Truth be told, crisis kept to lose Emoji Gibson and to be able to sign the class you have on paper and have the guys you have coming back. Um, you know, as a credit to you guys, is in this transfer day and age to lose back to back, basically your starting backcourt. You know, in two years, not easy to do, and definitely not easy to win a championship right after. Um, so credit to you guys, man. But let's uh, let's get your share screen real quick, coach, and let you. Hey, coach, coach, I, I just got one. Oh, yeah, go ahead, please, please. Uh, coach Kareem Brown, Niagara What's up, County. Coach? I'm nice good. Coach. How are you? I'm good. good. Hey, um, what's I know you talked last night about kind of putting your program together and you're not you don't think you're ready. What are what's kind of like your ideal program? I mean, you've been a couple of places. You've obviously been a head coach and you, we all have got visions. What do you think your ideal program? Uh, you know, hey, do you want to start at the high major? Do you want to be at a program where you can start small like what what's kind of your vision of where you want to start off at Ooh, man I don't know whoever's gonna pay you the most money <laughs> I'm just playing um no I, I think I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier with uh I think you really gotta uh you really gotta look into the administration and who you work for man and uh, whether it's at a low major level, a JUCO, a D2, an NAIA, high major, Big 12, you know, what what um, the athletic director and president, I think if their vision are kind of aligned with your vision, you're going to have an opportunity to have success. If you can have success, you can move up or you can make that situation better. So for me personally, man, it'll always kind of be centered around who I'm going to be doing it for you know, and, and can you win there? And Hey man, we're, we're, we're all good coaches, honestly. I mean, everybody knows what they're doing. And I think too often people want to be a head coach so bad. They take bad jobs and I don't care how good of a coach you are, man. There's some jobs you can't win at, you know, it just, it's not set up for it. And there's a reason why some jobs are traditionally always losing, you know, unless they get a, an administration change and then maybe things change that way. So for me, that's what I'm really paying attention to, you know, is like, who, who is my boss going to be, you know, and what's his stake in this, you know, and how, how successful does he want to be? Good question, Reem. Appreciate Thank that, you. man. 
Mayor, you want to you want to share uh, your screen? We'll take maybe a couple questions at the yeah, end. We got, we got Jason today. Uh, yeah, Jason, go ahead, man. I didn't see that. Coach, um, I'm a sophomore in high school from New York. I want to coach when I'm older. Um, can you just like talk about what the role of like an associate head coach is, or is that like just another word for like assistant? Can you just uh, that briefly? Yeah, Jason, first of all, credit to you for being on this call, man, and investing in your craft way, way in advance, man. That means great things are ahead for you, man. Salute to you. Thank you. Um, good question, man. I think some of it depends on the uh, the person that you work for. Um, sometimes it can be maybe just the title. Um, but like I mentioned, Coach Mack earlier, man, he's uh, he's unbelievable, man. He's so secure. He's given he gives me such a um, such a voice in our program, such an opportunity to uh, really share his vision and be part of it. And so for me personally, um, I just feel like responsible for everything, you know, and try to try to be the like the conduit between Coach Mack and, and everyone else, you know, and try to be right in the middle of it and try to make sure that his concerns are being voiced in a manner that's productive down and make sure that these guys uh, concerns are being heard and validated in a manner up and trying to make as many uh, as many decisions that I can take off his plate, I try to, you know. And um, typically, I think everybody's and, – and I do not mean this. Brian knows me as well as anybody. I don't mean this egotistically. Man, I got, I got less than an ego, man. I know what this thing is about. It's about people and players. I've been really fortunate. But it's just the way our program goes. If someone asks Coach Mack – you know, it's just usually like, well, what, you know, what Ross say, you know, or if if he asks Dream and those guys and they'll just be like, well, what Ross say, you know, and it's just um, being in that and trying to help uh, facilitate and, and smooth everything over, man, and take take the hits both ways. You know, if ever, you know, if people are kind of frustrated with the head coach, then take that bullet, too, man, because we we tend to forget head coaches are people. Mm -hmm. They need grace and mercy as well. You know, we always want grace and mercy on the other end, but it, it's, it's difficult being in that chair, you know, as, 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 as we, we all know that have been in it. So um, just trying to be a, a liaison would be a good word, you know, and try to be the second in command and try to help everybody do their job the best that they can do it. What I try to do. And so they're just playing now. I know we've kind of talked about this before, uh, Ross, but remind me. So offensively, you have a style of play. And then defensively, you have a style of play. When you're, when you're trying to run your offense, and I guess your offense, since it's more motion, it's free-flowing, but is there a conflict of, hey, we're trying to run our offense so you guys can't side everything right now? Or how do you balance that? Early, man, that was a major problem, honestly it contributed to us having offensive struggles early in the year, man, because the defense is unique and it basically kind of wrecks everything you're doing. <laughs> um, and so we would, we would put a scout team out there at times and have them play regular defense. And we would spend more time working five on O or maybe working some three on O with um, working concepts as opposed to dummy in a play you know, we would be working on a concept. 
And then as the year went on, it just kind of got better because the offense got better and it got a better feel. Yeah, just got more comfortable with it. Um, guys started being able to make reads on their own. And, you know, we played a, we played a very difficult non-league schedule. That was part of it. You know, uh, we're at VCU, at Arkansas, Utah State, Rhode Island, and Jamaica, Oklahoma. Um, and we came up short. And there were some internal conversations about were we doing the right things, you know, because we did make changes. Uh, but we stuck with it and really felt like, you know, we were at our best when it mattered most. Yeah, my last two questions. One is about what do you think made you stick with it? Obviously, because when you're struggling and you're trying to go through it and you're about to start conference, you want to feel great going into conference. Uh, and then the other part is going back to last year's offense, right, where GMAC maybe was more in joystick mode. Could you have run the same defense in practice with an offense that's joysticking, or are you always constantly taking yourself out of it? Because your new offense, you're, you're making more reads and decisions versus running plays. Um, yeah, I think it was just we, be we believed in what we were doing, and we believed it was going to reap benefits, but we just weren't seeing them yet, you know? And uh, that's ultimately what led it to stick with it, you know, is like we actually did believe in what we were doing. Um, but, and then, uh, yeah, it would have been, it would have been difficult because we were, we were just, again, Matt is really good at it. It's what he's best at. That's what we had to evaluate when we were reading that book, you know, and he had to put his pride aside because he feels like, Hey man, I can put people in the right places and I can manipulate things and I can get shots for guys I want, you know, but then what? after that then what happens you know you don't know how to play and so we just really we knew where we had to get it was just painful getting there in the beginning yep thanks well fellas hey, we'll any last questions you guys have let's wrap it up no, no rush but just if you have questions let's ask them if not then let's tell them thanks and uh wrap it up Hey Ross, um, quick two questions, really quick. Um, your ball screens, side ball screens. Did you ever uh, down it or ice them? Side ball screens. Yeah, we pushed it down. Okay, we down that. Yep. And okay. So we, would you switch it as well? We would. Okay. We Just would. depending now, on game. Yeah, uh, our base defense was switch it. If if we were going into a game where it was a a dominant post player or maybe we felt like a dominant guard, then we would stay. We would not switch. We would still down it, fight over it, you know, lower and, and get back in front. But okay. yeah, it was our base coverage was everything on the sides. We pushed down everything that came up in the middle tunnel. We pushed left. Okay. And then the other thing is um, what, what I guess, offense or kind of movement uh, really kind of, I guess, hurt you guys a lot with, with trying to do all of that? Good question, man. Um, the thing that bothered us the most without question, which would bother any defense probably, is when you had, yeah. uh, when you had uh, spacing at the 4-5, when you had spacers. And so you weren't able to load up necessarily and that they could shoot the ball from – five positions and you know the the euro ball screen or the continuity ball screen is what i call it some people call it butler some people call it euro you know where you reverse it cut the guy through 
set the side ball screen, come off of it, reverse it, cut the guy through. That that was challenging, you know, because it was always a it was always a reversal ball screen coming from the top, you know. So we it took us a little while to figure that part how, out. How would you, how like what, what what would you do? Mostly, would you guys just um, anticipate working on it differently, or stuck with what you did? No, we stuck with what we did. We just got better at guarding the ball and okay. not feeling like you're giving up a runway strip to the baseline. So I would guard the ball a little bit better, and then if if they never set the ball screen, we wouldn't switch it. You know, so it, it took it took time for sure. I got a question for Tommy. Tommy Strine's like uh, like Adam Hood up there. He's got a new baby, so he's doing some uh, some daddy duty. <laughs> he says, uh, "What what is the thinking in forcing middle every ball screen to the left? What what is the thinking in forcing all of them left?" Um, that uh, most players want to get to their strong hand, um, and so most players are right-handed, and so we just didn't want to have any sort of confusion with that. We did introduce this year, we call, we call ice in the middle to force left. We did have a fire, which was force right um, for a couple of times. But predominantly, you know, uh, just so everyone knew, the, the, the big knew, the guard knew, you had no confusion. Anything that came up in that middle tunnel, you knew you were forcing left and you were going to switch it. Hey, Coach, um, thank you again for this. Uh, this is uh, Coach PJ out of Colorado, Colorado Springs. What's up, man? Not much. Um, you guys have pretty much some of the same base principles that we use this year that we switched to this year defensively uh, with the – especially going over the top in the middle on – on there with the middle ball screens on the side with the hedges, on or, uh, on the side with the ices and downs. What would your, your depth be like, though, for those uh, in the ice? We, that would be one thing that would kind of would is, kill us. Yeah, it is hard, man. We uh, we we uh, NBA line pick up point. You know, we would anything out from under that we would call under. You know, we would we would yell under, but it is hard in the middle because of the angle of it sometimes to get all the way under. So yeah. we would be conscious of that. Unless it was a really good player, like like Hood and them have at UTSA, Javon Jackson, that has range from 35 feet, you got to go over it no matter what it is. You yeah. kind of live with the consequences. Mm-hmm. And then on the wings, uh, with the defender guard and screener, what would, what would his depth be like in the, in the ice and the down? Same thing. NBA NBA line pickup, okay. anything outside of that area. If if Even though we wanted to keep it on the side – if the ball handler was dribbling away from the basket, like if he was dribbling to midcourt or if he was arcing out, we would kind of let him go. We wouldn't fight crazy hard to try to pin him in, and now you're giving up an avenue to the basket. If he yeah. was going away from the basket, we would let him go. Okay. Appreciate it. No problem. Do you have any, you have any rules on the bigs on those downs, like how far back they can be? Do they need to maintain – contact on their man we wanted we wanted to have contact just just we we wanted to have a hand on the hip and be level of the screen take away the split because we wanted no middle so if you were going to get beat if it was an in and out and he was driving full speed baseline you had to know your rim would be there 
Ross, did you do a lot of, uh, I know when I worked for you at Paris, we did a lot of notebooks, classroom time, where basically you had classroom time to teach basketball and break things down. Did you have to do that since it's a new system and nobody knew what was going on? Uh, yeah, we did. Did it a lot more individually now, you know, after practice and through film, which, you know, we, we it sounds, cr- I mean, it's crazy. I was talking last night even, man. It's just unbelievable to think at that time you're still using office phones to make long distance or wait until after eight so your free minutes can kick in you know it wasn't that long ago so even when we were doing that you know you're you're striking up the vhs right you know right. so now you have so much technology is so different you can actually carry your laptop down on the practice floor show somebody real quick you know but yeah no there was a there was a big educational piece to it we told our guys in the very beginning we're going to ask more of our staff than we ever have and we're going to in turn ask you to be more versatile, Zach Simmons, 24. We're going to ask you to do things we've never asked you to do before. We're going to ask you to switch out there on the best guards. We're going to ask you to play multiple defenses. So they they bought into it, man, and it didn't take long with this team for us to realize that they'll be as good as we can coach them. And that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing and a scary thing as a coach to know that, like, man, if, if – uh, if we can put these guys in the right position, as good as we can coach them, as good as they will be. It's uh, it's it doesn't happen very often, man. But we knew it early on because they kept coming back, man. Taking our lumps, taking our lumps, coming up short at VCU, coming up short against Utah State, coming up short against Oklahoma, and they just kept coming. Yep. When you when you got switched, like you talked about Zach Simmons switching on guards. And then let's say a ball screen happens after that. You just have someone just switch back. You don't have to worry about ice or bigs having to learn to get on the hip. And, and Not die. really. We practiced it so they would have a feel for it. But most everybody just gets very stagnant. Yeah. Stands around and watch one guy dribble. Right, right, right. No, awesome stuff, man. Awesome presentation. Appreciate you opening up, man, telling your story. And uh, Obviously, I'm super biased, but I think uh, your time to be a head coach is coming. And, in the meantime, you guys will keep being at the top of Conference USA. And unfortunately, they didn't get to go to the NCAA tournament this year because of COVID. So no offense to Adam. I know they have aspirations to go to. But, um, you know, best of luck in, in going and pursuing. You know, I know you guys have a lot of guys back and a lot of returners and staff cohesion too. So should be fun to follow you guys' uh, success. So thanks again, Ross. Any closing words you have? And then uh, just want to say thanks again for coming on and thanks, everybody, for joining Hey man, appreciate appreciate the platform, man. I've uh, I've, I've watched so many of these, like as we all have, man. You know, and trust me, I do. I, I got more questions than answers, man. Seventeen years in, and I said many times this year, like I feel like I I know less now than I ever did, man. So it isn't like, trust me, man. We can all we can all learn, and I love I love the opportunity to be able to do this, and I've watched so many and just talk with you guys um you know brian can uh here i'll, I'll text in i'll type my number you put your stuff in the in the chat real quick um we'll hang around for a little bit and then you know i'll say this ross i think so much of uh, obviously so many different aspects of who you are but i think the humility uh the willingness to learn i mean you're here an associate head coach going to texas tech uh and a head coach kind of figuring out i want to try something different you know i think this says a lot of there's a lot of risk involved in that. There's a lot of courage it takes in that. And then a lot of just vulnerable and being vulnerable, man. Super vulnerable, man. Which a lot of coaches aren't willing to do. You know, so credit to you guys, credit to Coach Mack, 
credit to the staff, um, and then just being able to learn it enough to in an offseason, a new offense and new defense in the same offseason to have the confidence, even through the hard, hard schedule you guys had, and you guys played people really tough and were right there. But I remember me and you talking about it. I just thought you guys would take off in conference because you were so battle-tested and your guys kept kept fighting, like you said. But credit to you guys for continuing to lead them and continue to believe in a new offense and new defense because you could have easily been like, all right, we're going back. You know, this ain't yeah, and, and I give credit to, like I said, Ben over at Northwest Missouri and Mark Adams. I mean, those guys were unbelievable, man. You know, and I, I uh, that's what I encourage us all to do, man. I mean, like I said, we're, we're competitors. We all want to win, but at the same time, man, let's let's help each other. Let's let's give, you know, and and give to give. Necessarily, don't give to get, man, you know. And and uh, so, like I said, I appreciate it. You guys can. Um, I got some drill package stuff already, like out YouTube stuff. If you want to text me, if you need anything else, feel free, man. Um, and uh, like I said, man, I, I love talking hoops, and I certainly don't have the answer, so I can I can learn, I can learn equally from you guys. So I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, B. This yeah, is awesome. Sure. Um, so, yeah, and just last thing, I understand that he's, he's a real. You know, some people give that lip service. He's real. I mean, I'm in the same conference as him. We've we've had conversations. We've talked about opponents. We've talked about our own teams. So it's not you know like he was saying it. You know, I mean, like end season frenemies, you know, but at the yeah. same time, you know, somebody that, that, you know, me and I respect it and he's done a great job. And, and they, he keeps talking about how good we are. They, they beat our butts, so we, we owe him something, you know. So they, they've done a really good job and, and they're, the, they're the standard right now. So we'll be chasing them. Appreciate it, Adam. Yeah, I think just, just kind of closing thoughts from all the stuff from your career. I mean, you can start from anywhere. Coach talked about starting as a GA. Uh, Jason, you're a, high school students still, which I respect so much that you came on. Thanks so much. Salute to you. And uh, all of us kind of have a different path, you know, coach, coach division two, junior college, uh, and has kind of worked his way up to being, um, you know, a championship level associate head coach and had a ton of success stories along the way. But kind of like he said to his earlier self, you know, not getting too high or too low, just kind of, you know, keep staying true to the vision and then uh, paying it forward. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, the humility and paying it forward. It's an ego business. It's a competitive business. We all want to have success and climb the ladder. But uh, like I said, credit to those nuggets that they coach here with us. And, yeah, appreciate it so much. And we'll take those with us, Coach. All right, man. All right, you guys. You guys have a good one, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thank you all. Thanks, B. All right. You're welcome, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your legacy.